everybody. So good to be here again. I hope you had a great Thanksgiving week and had some time to put some Christmas lights up and change gears for the season to come. I'm so grateful to be able to, what is that? Is that, that was, it was not supposed to be here. John told me to not talk about this. I know it's the third time this year I'm preaching. I think I preached more than Mike Quinlan this year. But I was told it was getting old. Please, Laurel, please change the slide. It's very embarrassing. Sorry, guys. Well, I would like to do a little game with you today. It's kind of unusual for a sermon, but I think I'm unusual. So we are going to do a little game, and I need your participation. So would you like to do that? Okay. So if you can, please stand up now. This is such a good crowd. Thank you. So I'm going to be asking a few questions to you. And if your answer is yes, you remain standing. If it's no, you can be seated. But I need your true and honest answers. Would that be all right? Okay. So how many of you have already listened to this song in any store this past few weeks? It's beginning to look a lot like Christmas everywhere you go. Okay, good. See? How many of you are already thinking about schedules, shopping, arrangements for family visiting, etc., etc., etc.? You're brave. Good, Amy. How many of you are already getting overwhelmed by how busy you are about to get? All right. All right. Remember, honest answers. Now, how many of you, halfway into the season, can wait for all of this to be over? Okay. Yes. Okay. Thank you, guys. Martha, thank you. Thank you. Appreciate you, guys. Thank you so much for your participation. You can be seated. We have prizes after the service. John has them. Ask John. Uh, but let me tell you this, Christmas is by far my favorite season. I love Christmas and all about it, really love it. But I understand that Christmas is great and Christmas also can bring a distressful component with that that can take the joy out of it, right? So my goal today is not to ask you to put your to-do list in the trash and to not think about the hundred things you have to do before now and Christmas Eve or Christmas Day. I'm not that naive, and I know that would be possible. But I'll, what I would like to do today is to explore the idea of being intentional on the rhythm and on the pace that we're going to take, we'll have, as we do all the things we have to do between now and Christmas. I know we are just, not just, but 30 days away from Christmas, but I wanted to spend some time this morning uh, really trying to uh, think about this days leading to Christmas, uh, to this so important celebration. And, you know, 
Christmas was not meant for us to feel overwhelmed. It was not meant for, to cause us worry or fear. It was not meant to be a distraction. And that's exactly what I wanted to tackle this morning. So I want to wrestle with you on this matter and try to help, really challenge us uh, today to redirect our focus for this coming season. But before we do that, I would like to read the scripture that we have for today. You can find it in the first letter of the Apostle John. John, as you know, was one of the closest disciples to Jesus. And he wrote, besides the gospel of John, he wrote three letters. And the scriptures in the first letter of John, chapter 4, 9 through 11. That says, this is how God showed his love among us. He sent his one and only son into the world that we might live through him. This is love, not that we loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son as an atoning sacrifice for our sins. Dear friends, since God so loved us, we also ought to love one another. So maybe you are exploring Christianity and all of this is new to you, or maybe you just need a refresh to connect the dots. So we're going to do a little background check here just to make sure we understand how we got to this point in the scripture today, all right? So we believe that God created the whole world and everything that's in it. But we, mankind, at some point, we messed up. And because we messed up, one of the consequences of that is that we must pay for it, all right? And uh, throughout history, we've uh, been trying to find creative ways to pay for the mess we got into. And... Uh, but our mess became so big and kept growing and growing and growing to a point that there was no other way to pay for it other than with our own lives. Can you imagine that? So that's exactly how and when God comes into the scene to put an end to the situation once and for all. So he decides out of pure love to send his one and only son, and through the life of his son, Jesus Christ, all of our debt would be paid. Everything. Okay? That's exactly our starting point in the text. When God, out of love, sent his one and only son as a baby, and that's Christmas, right? Right? We celebrate the birth of baby Jesus, and through that, we remember how much God loves us. So background given, let's get straight to the point. How would you and I get through such a meaningful season with so many distractions? How would you and I get through such a meaningful season with so many distractions for us? I told you before, all the things this season was not meant to be. That's why, that's because uh, this season is all about Love. This season is all about love. And the first aspect that I would like to highlight with you today is the love of God for us. Let's think about for a second. What's the best way to keep encouraged and focused during the season than looking at what God has done for us? Our text today says that this is how God showed his love among us. He sent his one and only son to the world. And this is love. Not that we loved God, but he loved us first and sent his son as an atoning sacrifice for our sins. Centuries ago, when we thought about 
and he started this tradition of celebrating Christmas, the only goal was to remember that a Savior was sent to this world for you and for me, and that we should be grateful for that. We should be grateful because that happened out of pure love of God for us. And the word, it's really cool that this word here showed, show, uh, that we have in this translation, comes from the Greek word phanero, that means revealed. Which means that God has disclosure something that was formerly hidden. And this is so cool, because never before in all history, God had done such a thing. To reveal himself to all of us in the person of Jesus Christ. But most importantly, display himself as vulnerable before the whole creation. In the Old Testament, God would show himself in the form of a cloud, sometimes a burning bush, sometimes a light that was really hard to look at, almost impossible. But the approach to God was kind of different. It was hard to approach God. And then... One day, he decides to come and show himself, to disclosure himself in the form of Jesus, in a body like this. And he went through things like anxiety and fear. He got hungry and thirsty. He was sad. He cried in order for today to say, I get you. I understand you because I've been there. I went through all of those things. The approach is totally different today. Isn't it amazing? And on top of that, he died in my place and your place. Wow. It's a little bit hard to understand how someone could do such a thing. But then when you put into perspective, I think it makes it a little bit easier to understand what happened here. So... The other day, my friend, Pastor Sumash, here from Coppell, he said something like this, and I quote, If you were a millionaire and your son was kidnapped, you would probably give your millions to get your son back, right? And if you were a billionaire, you would probably give your billions to get your son back, right? But what if your child was evil? What if your child hated you and ran away from you and did everything that you forbade and even cursed your name. And what if he did this for years? Would you still give everything to get your wicked child back? Maybe not. But that's exactly what God did for us. And we, we are the rebel child. And that's the perfect translation of what the Apostle Paul says in the letter that he wrote to the Romans. When he says, but God demonstrates his own love for us in this. While we were still sinners, that rebel child, Jesus Christ, died for us. Friends, this is love. This is true love. But what's interesting here is that this story is not like those fairy tales that happen to people in a faraway land. That's real. That happened to us. It's about, it's our story, right? It happened to you and to me. That's true love and the love of God for you and for me. And 
by the way, totally undeserved because we re really didn't do anything in order to receive it. But out of love and grace, God did it. You are so loved. You're so loved. When you are, when you are uh, having fear, when you feel weak, when you feel anxiety, when you are super confident, you are loved no matter what. Now, when you look at Christmas and you think about that baby being born and the fact that this same, same baby one day will perform this incredible sacrifice for you and for me, isn't it enough reason to be thankful? Isn't it enough reason to be grateful during the season and enjoy the truth that God loves you? Now, I would like to go back to the text and look at another detail that we have there. Verse 9 that says, this is how God showed his love among us. He sent his one and only son into the world that we might live through him, that we might live through Jesus Christ. And this is so important because what Jesus, the baby Jesus does for us, doesn't stop on the salvation or the payment for our sins. It's way more than that. The birth of baby Jesus provides life. And later we see that Jesus says, I have come that they might have life and have it to the full. So baby Jesus is not only giving his life for you, but he also wants you to, to live life but the life that just he can offer. It's a spiritual life, and yet it overflows into every single aspect of your physical existence. Fullness of life, friends, is the reward of faith. Once you put your trust in Jesus, and you, you start to enjoy different aspects of life, you embrace all that means to be alive, and you start to enjoy things that others probably won't care about fullness of life is the reward of faith but here's the thing when we start to live our lives for ourselves life is dull it's this hardened thing it's really tough but jesus can offer through life and guess what that's through love in a season where we are celebrating the amazing gift of the birth of our Savior Jesus. God is calling us to live our lives to the full with joy that comes from Him, fulfilling the purpose that He has for each one of us here. There's a story of the, it's a true story, by the way, of a British author and journalist called Malcolm Muggeridge. Not sure if you heard of him, but this guy was known by. Uh, he was agnostic for most of his life, and he was known by his skepticism and atheism. He didn't believe in anything, really hard guy. But something happened later uh, in the late 60s. He was assigned by BBC to do a documentary on Mother Teresa's life and her work in India. So his whole goal was through this documentary to dismantle the whole thing and showed to the world how silly was that thing that she was doing there. But then, day after day, following her steps and looking to what she was doing, 
it brought him to ask questions like, how is she doing that? How, how in the world she finds the motivation to keep doing those things? She didn't have to. I, I don't have that motivation. What is that? And then he understood that she was doing that because of the love of God that was flowing through her. The love of God that she received and she was sharing that with others. And that led him to a spiritual awakening and he embraced Christianity. He embraced the gospel. And from that on, he devoted his life to write about Jesus, what it means to follow Jesus. He went to forums and interviews and talking about uh, uh, what it means to be a Christian. Isn't it cool? And I'm saying that because it's impossible to contain the gift in us, this gift of love that God has given us. And this love of God must flow and be impactful to others through us because it's through the love we received that we can love others. It's through the love we received we can love others. That's the love of God through us. So let's see what John says as he continues in verse 11. Dear friends, since God so loved us, we also ought to love one another. Since God loved us, we also ought to love one another. So in the same way that God gives us freely, remember, all of this love, it's his desire that we will also share this love with others. And the main thing is, when God does something in you, it's natural for you to share it with others. See, this picture shows uh, what I was thinking when I was reflecting on this. is that God loves come freely and then flows through you. And you share that with others. You spread the love with others. It's natural. I promise. Uh, uh, let me tell you something before. What is the deal about this picture here? The deal is that during the season, when it's so easy to get distracted, and you tell me later if I'm lying, it's so easy to get distracted that we want to be intentional on being grateful for God's love, but we also need to plan on how to spread all of this love. And I promise this is not one more thing that I want you to include on your to-do list, okay? But when you are aware of what you have received, this gift of God's love, and you rest on it and you serve others, even in a season like this, that will be something natural. In the weeks to come, it will be really, really easy for you and for me to think about those million things we have to accomplish before Christmas Eve. And once you reach cruising speed, it will be really hard. Most likely, you won't pay attention to anything else. But before you even start your to-do list tomorrow, Monday, the 27th, I want you uh, to stop and keep this question in a very, very special place in your mind and in your heart. So how am I going to serve others and through that share the love of God that I've received? How Am I going to serve others and through that share the love of God that I received? Arthur, I won't have time. You don't understand. You don't get it. And it's not because of your English. It's just because I'll have a lot to do. Let's pause here. So, 
This, like I said, this is not one more thing you have to do, I promise. It's just a natural progression of the work of the Holy Spirit in you. You are filled with the Holy Spirit, and then you are focused, and even with the distractions, you are able to share the love you received that comes out of you. Think about that nice apple tree that your kids ask you to plant in your backyard. Great idea, by the way. Unless you are a plant killer like myself, that's not going to be a multi-step process in order to get the fruit, the apple, right? Once you plant the tree there and you give it the right amount of water, it will naturally grow. And with time, you will get those nice and crispy apples. Now, I think we... We should take Jesus as our standard, right? Uh, we, we look at him and we base, try to base our lives on what he did. And as much harder as it can be, uh, we try to imitate him. So let's look at the times that Jesus stopped what he was doing to focus his attention on someone. So the first time that I would like to uh, think with you here is... He was on this road to Jericho, and he had to be somewhere. He had a goal. And then there was this blind man on the side road, crying and yelling and, you know, really annoying. Jesus, son of David, Jesus, son of David, please have mercy on me. Please have mercy on me. And the disciples were following Jesus and saying, stop this guy. Shut up. He has to be somewhere else. But then what Jesus did, he stops and helps this man. And then another day, Jesus was just coming out of the boat. He had to be somewhere. He had to go. But then this man called Jairus, stop him. Jesus, can you help me with my daughter? What Jesus does, he stops. And then as Jesus was going to do that, a woman touches his clothes. And what Jesus does, he stops and helps her. And the other day, Jesus was having fun with his friends and, uh, you know, celebrating and laughing and enjoying a wedding. And then his mom stops him to ask help because there was nothing else to drink. And Jesus helps her. And I could go on and on and on. But my point is Jesus was always busy like you and me. Just read the Gospels. But he was never in a hurry. He would always take time to do the things that really matter. He had parties, lunches, meetings, dinners he had to attend, you know, all of this. But he would always take time. He was always surrounded by people asking him things, asking questions, and trying to stop him. Do you relate? I myself have someone in the office that every day comes to ask a million questions. Arthur, can I have a salad as a snack? Yes, uh, you can. I won't say the name, but it starts with J and ends with on. <laughs> but Jesus would always stop and take time to direct his attention to people that needed him, undivided attention. You have a full and busy schedule ahead of you, guys. I know that. But I want to challenge us to look around and see the needs 
between now and Christmas, to see the needs around us. Who needs you? How can you serve others? How can you serve someone? Again, this is not one more thing you have to do, but that's something you want to do. It will flow naturally because what flows in you is the amazing love of God. And most importantly, how are you going to show God's love through you in the weeks to come? How are you going to show God's love in the weeks to come through you? You know, I love Pastor John Comer. He um, uh, has a, uh, been talking a lot about to slow down and to pay attention to details. And he says that love is incompatible with hurry. It's like oil and water. They do not mix. It's, there is no way to combine those elements, those things. Every time we are in a hurry, uh, we give to the wars that is in us a chance to come up and control the situation. And I'm talking about angry, uh, anger and nagging and uh, all of those things, tension that are really the opposite of what love is. I experience it myself when I'm late and, uh, to get my kids to school and they take forever to get ready. And I'm telling you, a lot of times that Arthur does not transpire what really love means because of the hurry. There, there is a reason why Paul wrote, love is patient. Love is patient. In the weeks to come, we can show our gratitude for the birth of baby Jesus slowing down and paying attention to our neighbor. And just to bring the elephant in the room, the neighbor could be someone very close to you. Could be someone in your family. Could be someone just a few steps away from you. You probably won't have to do a lot of search in order to find who is the neighbor that needs you. But what are you going to do? Are you going to keep looking at your to-do list? What is the next item? Or are you going to stop and say, how are you? How can I pray for you? The business of this season, it's going to be impacting you inevitably. But you've got to be intentional and do not let the circumstances of this week's leading to Christmas to impact your relationship with the Father and with your neighbor. You know, the business of the season can lead us to emptiness and stress and pain. And Ruth Barton she says, we are experiencing less meaningful human and divine connection. We are emptier relationally. And we try harder and harder to fill that loneliness with even more noise and stimulation. That's not what this season is meant to be. Stop thinking about Christmas as one more item on your to-do list that needs to be checked. When it passes, we feel, it feels empty and you feel like a, a truck ran over you and you just need some vacation from the season. And that's not what the season is about. And on top of all of those things, you might be struggling with the loss of someone. Or with a family or financial or a mental issue. You might be struggling with illness, with unemployment. Friends. This is also for you. I want to remind you that God has never 
abandoned you. In fact, he's with you right now by your side. I want you reminded that God lost at the cross his most important and precious treasure, his only son. Picture God looking at baby Jesus at the birth and thinking of what that beautiful and precious baby would have to go through one day. The pain that it afflicted in his heart. His heart. But at the same time, he also thought of the infinite love he has for you and for me. And he thought, you know what? All of that is worth. Friend, God sees you. He loves you. And he loves you more than anything. And he's with you. And he promises that he will provide exactly what you need. Mom, I know you're watching this. And God is promising that he will provide exactly what you need. Just trust him. Now, what can we do? We need to, of course, keep our focus on him and with all the distractions in this coming weeks. But what can we do? How we do that? What is the formula? Well, I guess there's no formula. But I think you came here looking for some answers, right? So here's my suggestion. Find a prayer that helps you to slow down. A psalm, a scripture that represents the season you're going through. And I promise this simple mechanism will re redirect your focus to what is important. It will center you back. And I love this prayer from Ruth Barton that says, Oh God, give me more moments like this. Moments when I'm fully present to you and to others in, in love. Moments when I'm connected to what is the purest and most authentic within me and able to respond to your presence in that place. I want to live my life in such a way that there is more of this. More of this. Life to the full, life in Jesus, life in love. So almost 30 days separates us from Christmas and there will be tons of things happening within this time. So remember this. Christmas is about love. Love of God for us. And love of God through us. Does it remind you of the so-called two greatest commandments that Jesus gave us? Love your God with all your heart and love your neighbor as yourself, right? So I'll close with this story. True story happened here around 10 years ago at this very church, Christmas store weekend. You've been, if you've been to a Christmas store... You know that things can get really busy, but a few years ago, it could get really crazy. So picture this. Where's the picture? Boom. So, our loved is packed with people, okay? There are tables, tons of people, tons of food, and people serving, and people eating, and it's really crazy. And on the other side of the lobby, there is an army of people wrapping gifts, Okay, Mariah Carey singing Christmas songs in the background, which John is grateful for. And it's noisy and it's loud and, in a few words, chaos. But good chaos. Okay. Now, with all the business of the situation, it was super easy to miss a small detail. Something very important that was happening here. There was, at some point at that night, there was a first-time local guest that came to the Christmas store and went through the whole thing. 
she walked around the church and people prayed with her and for her and she had a meal and finally because she was pregnant with twins she came to sit down somewhere here okay and she was there for a long time she was just waiting for her presence to be ready and she was there for a long time so for some reason she was or she was not called we'll never know but the thing is that she was she kept patiently waiting for her bag with presents to be ready for a long time patiently without complaining just waiting amid that chaos someone noticed that very pregnant lady sitting there for a long time and told Carrie McCord, one of our church members, and she was the Christmas store chair at that uh, season, during that season. I don't know what Carrie was doing, but she stopped and came to help the lady. And in a few minutes, she was able to figure out what happened. Okay? The conclusion of the story, you can ask her later. And actually, I encourage you to ask her because it's a really cool story. And it really shows uh, how amazing God worked things out and how... He has a purpose in everything. But my point uh, is that, first, you probably figured that this is Veronica's story. Where is Veronica? Veronica, you here? She went to the restroom. Okay, that's all right. Family's here. Family's here. She is here in the building somewhere. She is now a church member. She's connected to a group, and her twins, the twins, are now 10 years old, and they are part of the children's choir children's ministry, and they are a blessing to our family. And you probably heard what happened to Abel, uh, her husband, a few months ago. He went through this terrible accident, and after many procedures and surgeries uh, and everything, and by the human eyes, there was no hope. But God did something. God did something. Abel, wait, uh, stand up, please. Let people see you. He's here today. Abel, Dios ha hecho algo muy maravilloso en su vida. Dios te bendiga. Thank you so much. Praise God. Here's my point. I called Karen a few weeks ago to not only to ask about the story, but ask a few questions about what was going on in her life during that season leading to Christmas. And let me tell you this. Karen doesn't remember which gifts she gave. She doesn't remember which dinners she was hosting during that season. But the experience she had, that's what she remembers. And she remembers with details as if it was happening today. Because that's exactly what made a true and deep impact on her during that time, during that season. It was out of love and it was moved by the Holy Spirit to connect them. Love. That's what this season is about. Don't forget that. I will close praying a prayer that I think is such a great prayer and meaningful for this season. But, and as a gift, and in order to remind you about it, we'll give you this prayer on your way out. And I would love for you to put, put the, the, this card in a place that uh, will help you think of what we talked here today. And you can also pray this prayer every day from tomorrow and leading to Christmas. Would you pray with me? Let's bow our heads. Jesus, I desire to start this day with you. 
And yet my mind kept flitting to so many things. The projects I want to accomplish, the people I want to talk to, the people I wish I didn't have to talk to. And I wonder, are these things distractions to spiritual concentration or invitations to see God in the ordinary? I'm not sure. Jesus, I know that you are the center who knows no distraction. So I offer up my mental fragmentation to you, O Lord my God. May my scatteredness become your gatheredness. As I am contemplating a thousand things, Jesus, may I somehow be contemplating you. Amen.